Please turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. Starting at verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. One thing that I have learned as, from being a parent to young children, and I've learned many things, but one thing that I have learned is that you go through a lot of laundry. Um, a lot of laundry for the boys because they're, they're constantly rolling in mud and spilling yogurt on themselves, but also a lot of, of laundry for, for me and for Cassandra. Especially with a newborn, um, what will often happen is that our youngest Cooper will be holding him and he will spit up on our, on our, our clothes. So I'll be wearing a sweater and he'll spit up on my sweater. And uh, I'm not going to walk around with spit up all over my sweater. So I take it off, but it's pretty chilly outside. So I'll put on a new sweater, one that is warm and clean. A couple of weeks ago, I preached from the passage right before this one, from Colossians 3, 1 to 11. And there Paul was encouraging the Colossian church to live like they were alive. They had been made alive with Christ, raised with Christ. They died to their old selves. Now they were to set their minds on things above. Part of doing that and part of living out their new lives in Christ meant putting off the old self, putting off the sins that used to characterize them, used to control them. We get some pretty strong words from Paul, things like put to death what is earthly in you, put off these things that used to define you. We really get that, we really got the idea from Paul, like, hey, you, you are now alive. You can't keep living like you are dead. You can't keep walking around in dead people's clothes. You have to put them off, throw them off, cast them aside. Not just a a leisurely taking off your sweater and throwing it aside, but a desperate casting aside, an active throwing off. But as we'll see from our passage this morning, that when we are in Christ, alive in Christ, it's not only putting off the old sins from our old life, but also putting on the good things that God has called us to. 
When Christ is our life, when we are in him and he is in us, we are to live like it. That means putting sin to death, putting off the sins that used to define us, but also putting on godly virtues. Putting on the good things that are ours to grab hold of and to put on in our lives because of the life-changing gift of salvation that we are granted in Jesus. Look at the start of verse 12 again from Colossians 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So right from the start there, from the start of verse 12, we see our foundation for why we are to put on good things. He tells us, you, he tells the Colossian church, you are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. God has saved you through Jesus. He has chosen you. You have become his children. You are loved. You are beloved children. You are, you're growing in Christ, growing in holiness. It's not because of what you've done, what you have done, not because of any giftedness you possess, not because you, you worked really hard or because you're better than other people, but because God chose you, God has saved you. He is now your father and you are now his children. And you have all the incredible benefits that come from being adopted into his family. But it's not just the case for the Colossian church, but for us as well if we are in Christ. We have the privilege of being called God's children. We have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. And that's our motivation to want to live for him. That's why we want to live for Christ. We've been given this incredible gift of grace. And as a result, we want to put on the good things that our Heavenly Father has called us to. We trust and know that our God knows what's best for us, knows the best way to live that brings the most fulfillment to our lives and the most glory to him. And he calls us to live for him, to serve him. And we, we don't put on these things to try and earn our way to heaven. That's already been earned by Jesus. We don't put on good virtues in order to look good in front of other people or to lift ourselves up. But we do so because we are chosen. We have been adopted into God's family as beloved children. We have given new life and we want to serve and please our heavenly father. So with that being our motivation, Paul gives us different examples of new clothing that we are to put on. Because we have been chosen by God, we are his beloved children, Paul tells us what is to be characteristic of our new life in Christ. Not only sins that we're to put off, but now godly characteristics that we are to put on. So Paul starts by encouraging us to put on several godly virtues. Look at verses 12 to 14 again. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Earlier in, uh, in verse 10 of chapter 3, 
Um, Paul encourages Colossians to put on the new self in a general sense, but here in our verses, he's getting very specific. He lists several specific godly virtues that we are to work hard at putting on through Jesus living in us. And these are the opposite of the things that we were called to put off. Right earlier in, in, in chapter 3, we see things that we are to put off, like sexual immorality, evil desire, covetousness, anger, slander, lying. Right? All of those things focus on ourselves, focus on indulging ourselves, giving in to what we want, giving in to the sins of our flesh, coveting after other things in order to get what we want, getting angry because we can't get our way or, or lying to get out of a situation. But these opposite virtues that we're looking at this morning, they don't focus on ourselves but on others. Right? We see opposite things like having compassion towards others, having the heart of Jesus towards other people, having kindness, thinking of others, thinking of ways that you can do thoughtful things to benefit other people. Having humility, considering others as better than ourselves, not thinking too highly of ourselves. All these things, they speak directly against the sins that we looked at earlier. And it's interesting because here Paul is speaking to us as individuals, but also as the body of Christ. So all of these characteristics we are to put on as individuals ourselves, we are to put these things on, but also as a body of Christ. There's very much a focus of putting on these things, these characteristics, in order to build up the body of Christ, the church, to bless one another, help one another, grow in relationships with one another, to bear with one another. I don't know if you have ever had um, this thought before about someone in the church, but I know that I have often had the thought about someone, man, this person is just very different from me. Okay, I'm, I'm guessing many of you have had that thought. Um, sometimes I wish people would be more like me, right? Think like me, act like me. But the beauty of the body of Christ is that we are all different. We have different giftings, uh, different personalities, different characters, different senses of humor, different things that we all bring to the table, which is beautiful. And even being here at People's for six and a half years and being on the elder board, serving as an elder, it's been so cool to see how the, how the different elders bring their different personalities and giftings and, and characters to the table as we lead and shepherd. And even to see all of you serve in, in so many different ways um, in, in so many different ways that I can't. Like, you would not want me cooking for the Sunshiners ministry, or you wouldn't want me playing piano here on Sunday mornings. But in the body of Christ, it's so cool to see the different ways that we are gifted to serve. And it's beautiful to see. And even the ways that you are um, specifically suited to minister to, to certain people based off of your relationships, off of your stages in life, the dynamics of your family. So it's a beautiful thing that we are different, but can also be really hard sometimes. When people have different personalities, different way of doing things than you would do, 
Um, things that they would deem as really important that you wouldn't deem as important, that can be really hard. It can be hard to have patience with one another. When people frustrate you, it can be hard to want to be kind, to want to put them before yourself. But Paul goes even further than just encouraging us to put on these things towards people who are different than us. But it's not just people that would maybe see things differently, that would maybe be quirky in your eyes. But we are called to put on these characteristics towards one another in the church, even toward people that hurt you, even when you are sinned against. We're told to bear with one another, to have a long-suffering attitude towards one another, to forgive one another, just like our Lord Jesus Christ forgave us. Even though as believers in Christ, we we have new life, right? We are made alive and we are to live like it. We know that we still struggle with sin. And we know that because we fight with sin every day. We, We know that about ourselves, that we still struggle and fight against sin. But we also know that because we've had people sin against us, say mean things or do things to tear us down. There will be disappointments or big conflicts or scars that can last a long time. But the way that Paul words it here in these verses, he's saying that the onus is on those who are hurt or who are being sinned against by other believers. The onus is on them to still have patience towards one another, to forgive. So Paul isn't letting us off the hook to say things like, okay, well, they're the ones who said those things, so it's up to them to try and make it right. Or, you know, they sinned against me, so I'm just going to isolate myself, and it's just not worth it. No, but Paul puts the onus on those who are sinned against to put on forgiveness, to put on patience, to put on compassion. It can really often be our tendency to just not easily look past what others have done to us, to hold on to things, to become bitter, to want to isolate ourselves and just write people off but we are called as individuals and as a body to put on these godly virtues in christ before others before to put others before ourselves and paul builds on his argument to point to another virtue that's above the others and that brings all the virtues together which is love in verse 14 we see and above all these things All these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Even though all of us in the body of Christ are different, and even though our our sinful flesh wants to come out, our love for one another will tie us together. Because Christ first loved us, because he died for us, forgave us, because of that we can love one another. It brings us together in in a community that would not be possible except for Christ. When I was in grade eight, I was able to go with my dad and one of my brothers to a Montreal Canadiens game in Montreal. And I'll always remember that game because it was so cool just how excited the fans in Montreal were about their team, right? We were, like, everyone was singing and cheering and jumping, 
uh, all of us sitting beside each other, we were giving each other high fives, and it was just so cool because we were so united in our love for the Montreal Canadiens, right? We, we had a common love, a common goal that, that brought us together. But after the game was over, we all went home, right? The people that I was standing beside, high-fiving, we were... I don't know if we were giving each other hugs, but we were jumping up and down and so excited, but then we went home not, and didn't think of them again, never to see them again. But the church is different. Right? We have a common love for Jesus, and that, that brings us together, that we rejoice in that, celebrate that. But our, our common love for Jesus brings us not only to, to love Jesus together, but to love one another. It brings us together. It brings unity. And our love for God and our love for one another brings us to put on these godly virtues, to, to put others before ourselves, to help others be compassionate, kind. When people in church are, are different from you, might seem like difficult people, might even do things towards you that, that hurt, we are called to put on love. And how we love one another shows that we have salvation in Jesus. It shows us if we are loving God. And then the love that we have for one another that, that comes from Christ, it's not a fluffy kind of love. It's not shallow. It's not just a feeling. But it should be marked by sacrifice and action. Laying down what we want for the sake of others. You have been chosen by God, holy, beloved, you are his children, and we are to, to act like it, to live like we are alive, to put off our old selves and to put on patience and kindness, humility, to bear with one another, forgive one another, love one another. These new things are to characterize us, and even though we will still struggle with these, we are to continue to, to pursue, pursue these as we grow in Jesus and grow in each other. And continuing the, the theme of, of putting on virtues that we are able to have in Christ and that bless others, Paul gives us another category of something that we are to put on. Something else that defines us as people who are made alive in Jesus, who have been chosen by God. And that is the peace of Christ. Look at verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We live in a time where there can be a lot of anxiousness and fear in the hearts of people. Um, and we know that that's been growing more and more recently and there's been a lot of stats about that and especially in the lives of, of teens that there's been a lot of growing anxiety and, and anxiousness and there's a lot of factors that go into that and there's a lot of often big things that can happen in our lives that can bring some of these things like you know, big things that happen in our world or like pandemics or elections or and even a lot of things that are closer to home things like you know, major disagreements with one another or really big and, and difficult things that can happen in your family or really difficult situations at school. 
All of these can bring anxiousness in our hearts. Strong opinions, not listening well, being harsh with one another can also lead to a lack of peace with one another. And when there's no peace with, with one another, there's often, um, that can affect the peace in our hearts as well. But because of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of salvation through Jesus who died for us, even though we did nothing to deserve it, that gospel brings us hope of peace. Knowing that we will have peace with Jesus and with God the Father in the new heavens and new earth for all of eternity, that changes us. It gives us peace knowing our standing with God. We are not separated from him anymore. But instead, we have been chosen, we are beloved, we are his. And even though troubles in this world will not disappear, and in fact, we know that they will come, we can let the peace of of Christ rule in our hearts, knowing we don't have to be afraid of what's to come. Because of his peace, we can face hard situations and, and, and have his peace, even though it seems like there's no way it would be possible. But the peace of Christ doesn't just rule our hearts individually, but also brings peace and and harmony um, as the body of Christ, as the church. And that's what Paul is calling the Colossians to live out with each other. Even though we as a group of, of flawed, as a church, a group of flawed sinners, different from one another, can frustrate one another, even though it seems like there's no way we should have peace with one another in Christ, we can. Right? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense that people from different backgrounds, different ways of seeing things, strong personalities, soft personalities, questionable choice in hockey teams, um, it doesn't make any sense that we should be able to, to come together and push those aside and love one another. And it's often really hard, really difficult. But as believers in Jesus who have been given new life, we are risen with Christ, it is possible. And we are called to to live that out, to allow the peace of Jesus to reign in our hearts collectively. Our sinful selves want us to go back to making it all about us, about what we want, about indulging ourselves, about fighting for our preferences, about being dissatisfied with everything around us. And all that can bring lack of of peace in our church. But if we are growing in Christ, putting on his peace, allowing his peace to rule among us, then we aren't focusing on ourselves, but we're pursuing the harmony and peace of those around us. We're being thankful for what we have. Not fighting for what we want, but laying down what we want for the sake of others. As a, as a final category of things to put on in our lives, Paul brings us back to the reason why we are able to have new life. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Here when Paul says the words, um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
He's talking about the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. So he's talking about the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for, for all of those who are saved. And the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus by grace, that's, that's not only something that we, we think about or talk about when we are first saved, but it's something that... Um, it's something that we talk about daily. We think about daily. It, it, we, it, it is to live in us daily. It's to be at home richly in us. To think often about how incredible it is that Jesus saved us. How much the gospel has transformed our lives. And we again get the reminder that when we have new life, when the gospel changes us, transforms us, it results in new life with one another. It, it changes how we are to interact with one another, how much we need each other in the church. There's a great uh, children's book series called The Wing Feather Saga, written by Andrew Peterson, who's also a, a Christian musician. And there was also a, a book released of several short stories um, written in the world of this Wing Feather Saga. So kind of like if someone wrote a bunch of short stories about Middle Earth, about events that happened after the Lord of the Rings series. But in one of these short stories, we get introduced to the main character, and his name is Safiki. He's an orphan who lives in the, in the streets of a city, who roams the streets looking for food. He doesn't have a home, doesn't have a family, doesn't have any friends. No one knows his name, and he likes it that way. Because he's learned that once you make friends, once you trust, start to trust someone, once people know you, know your name, they are only going to let you down and you are only going to let them down. But there's this powerful scene where Safiki meets this old man called Oscar and who through different circumstances asks Safiki to trust him and asks for his name. And Safiki does. He tells him his name. He trusts him. And at first it seems like a major mistake because things go wrong and um, he lets Oscar down. But trusting another person, not walking alone, ends up bringing him great joy. When the word of Christ, when the, the gospel of Jesus lives in us deeply, it transforms how we live with the people around us. It makes us want to go out and tell people about Jesus who don't know him. But also changes how we, we do life with one another in, in the church. It brings us to trust one another, love one another, be kind with one another, forgive one another. But that's not all. We also see um, that we are to, it brings us to teach one another, admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Right, when the word of, of Christ dwells in us deeply, richly, there's so many great things that come from doing life with each other for Jesus. We see how much we need one another. We get to teach one another from God's word, admonish one another, call out Things in our, in our lives where we see our brothers and sisters in Christ going back to our old lives. And while that's not always fun to be called out 
in sin by friends, um, it's a powerful part of growing in this new life. It means having humility, handling correction. It's not just pastors and elders that can teach and call out sin in our lives, but you also have that responsibility. When the gospel is living in us, it means that we are going to want to sing together. Aiken, in his commentary on Colossians, says this, Our worship must be infused with the truth of the gospel as we promote deeper intimacy with Christ, stronger unity as his people, and higher praise for our King. What we sing with each other when we come together to worship God is really important. It's a great part of, of being a part of the body of Christ when we get to sing great and honoring words to our God that lift him up. If you are in Jesus, you are chosen, you are a beloved child of God. Jesus is your life. You have been raised with him, hidden with him, in him. We have the benefit of being a part of God's church, the body of Christ. And because Jesus is in us and we are in him, we are called to put on godly characteristics that benefit those around us, that benefits the body. Jesus first loved us. We are called to love one another, lay down ourselves for each other, to do everything in his name, whatever we do to do everything in his name. We get to help one another, love one another, have patience with one another, forgive one another, worship our great God together. Put on then the good things that Jesus has called us to because we are alive in him. Let's pray. God, thank you for the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. The gospel that, um, that if we are in your son, Jesus, we have been transformed, we are made alive, we have new life. Thank you for the privilege of being called your children. That you have adopted us into your family and, um, and all just the incredible benefits that come from that. Because of the new life that we have in Christ, help us then, Lord, to put on these things that you have called us to, to put on things that um, don't focus on ourselves, but to focus on others, to honor you and love you by the way that we love one another, have compassion for one another, forgive one another. Pray, Lord, that um, even though we can disagree and have hardships sometimes, that you will um, that we will allow your peace, the peace of your son Jesus to reign in our hearts and in our, in our church. That we will lay down what we want for the sake of others. Thank you for the hope that we have because of your son Jesus and, and the new life that we have. And pray these things in the name of your son Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand?